This is Jim Norton, and unfortunately for you, you're listening to the You Know What Dude podcast. Yo, what's up? Uh, this is uh, Robert Kelly with uh, You Know What Dude, live from Montreal. Uh, this is the first podcast I did, I'm doing up here, and uh, it's with a good friend of mine, funny motherfucker, Todd Lynn. What's happening, brother? What's up, dude? We have finally reached Montreal together. I know, right? We ain't telling the stories like I was there. So was I about five years ago. Yeah, but you yeah. came here. And you actually fucking did what you're supposed to do. Um, one year I came here and they actually extended me a bag of money. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> what did. Do you, what I, do you mean, dude? Uh, well, Explain that shit. Well, let me say this. You know Montreal, they always talk about you go there and you get a development deal. And yes. I came here and I got a development deal that was worth a half a million dollars and I fucked it up in about two years. Jesus. And, um, which is kind of cool because I ain't dealt that many hookers in my whole life. Um, <laughs> Did you use it to fucking just do stupid shit? Um, the f- well, actually, I got two deals. The first deal, I'm like, I can't believe it. The second deal was like stupid shit. You know, bought a car, cash. Really? Literally spent twenty five thousand dollars on hookers. Really? Easy. Easy. Like good hookers? Is that really like, good hookers? So it was like it wasn't twenty five thousand dollars on fifty dollar whores. No, which is it was twenty five thousand dollars on those hookers that make you feel like, bitch, I will marry you. So you don't like, have to right. do this anymore. Right. You are incredible. Right. I spent it on the hookers that made me breakfast after they fucked me. Jeez. It was great. So when you came up, when was the last time you were up here that you hit all that shit? Uh two thousand five. 2005. 2005, yeah. You came up here. Did you expect it? Was it? Was it? Was it already kind of like? I've heard rumors about it. You know. You know. You hear a lot of stories about it. You know about, hey, guys, get this and get that, and you hear about it. So I, I kind of thought, well, if I do well, maybe I'll get some kind of extra revenue streams coming in. But um, I ended up getting the big bonanza. How? You know. What show did it? Um. Probably all of them. It was the new faces initially. Oh, you did new faces. I did new faces. I did well. Everybody liked me. And then I came out and I did the um, the Uptown, which is the urban show. And all the industry people came to see me. And I did real well. And then from that point, man, you know all those good ideas we sit around and talk about. Yeah. You know, television shows. I got a chance to walk into, you know, studios and talk about them. Right. You know, I mean, that's really what this is about. They're looking for something in your comedy they can encapsulate into a show. And make money. Yep. And if they can do that and make money, really, that's your whole speech. You just walk in and go, y'all ready to make some money? And they go, yes. Right. We. That's what we wanted to hear. So you know? who, wait, just to let people know, too, my voice, I lost my voice tonight, so it is me, in case you're wondering, I fucking had a substitute in here doing this podcast. <laughs> no, I it get, is Bobby, yeah, trust me. Yeah. And he has on a lot of cologne tonight. I yes. don't know what he's trying to do. <laughs> I, like, I like He's married, cologne. Yes. but he has a lot of cologne. He has, like, I'm trying to catch a bitch cologne on. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you, but here's the deal. You came up here. Who was your manager? At the time, it was Jason Steinberg. He's up here now. Who is actually the most in-depth manager you can possibly have. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, but we made, here's what, here's what I call the good first step manager. Right. You know, he's very good on the initial right. step. So, But he brought all the industry to those shows, right? Um, Jason did a good job of it. Right. You know, and then um, after that, it became like, um, you know, a snowball effect. Right. You know, and uh, um, this year actually went just as well, actually. This has been a great year, too. Did you get another deal? I, no, I didn't get another deal, but not yet. Right. The deal comes about a couple of weeks later. Well, here's yeah. the deal. Here's the deal with you. You know, Todd Lynn, funny motherfucker. One of the most abrasive, honest, upfront, in your face. No, I'm talking not on stage, on stage, but also off stage. Yeah, I'm an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm an asshole. I will well, admit to it, man. I uh, my mouth has burned many a fucking bridge down, and then I poisoned the water so I couldn't even swim back across. <laughs> right. You know, I've I've made some. I've made some very critical goddamn mistakes, right, you know. Yeah. But I, I guess, man, Bobby, you know, um, I always wanted to just be honest. I always wanted to tell, like I saw it, right. And you know, and I, I, the best dudes that I ever watched—that's what they were doing, man. Yeah, they was telling it like they saw. Even when I watch you, man, and do your comedy, I'd see Bobby Kelly. I don't see. Nothing else. Right. You know, I see Bobby Kelly, and that was always honest to me. We talked about this years ago. I talked about, I was like, Bobby, I don't get it. Why you ain't got a show yet, or why you haven't got. I don't fucking like, get it either. Like this thing y'all did recently, Cheat, that was so you. Yeah. You know, it was like, man, it was perfect. You know, it was perfect. But I guess I'm honest because I just, uh, I really don't know no other way. I don't mean no harm, but I guess honesty sometimes can really yeah. burn people's ass. Well, you know what it is too, though, dude? It's like, I remember when I first met you, you were always cool to me. We talk, we shoot the shit. But what happens too is that I think your personality gets enhanced once you you got the <laughs> once you get these deals once you get 500 G's once you're a popular guy once you're the motherfucker and then oh, you show God. up in the room. Oh God! Let me tell you, you don't need to get all that money because trust me, I completely understand how you lose your mind when you get a lot of money. So you did? Yeah, I, I lost my fucking mind. I ain't even gonna lie. You know. <laughs> Two days out, I went out and bought a fur coat. Why a fur coat? I bought a fur coat. Why? I have no fucking Jesus idea. Christ. I just, I went nuts. I bought a fur coat. I remember I wore it into the cellar, and y'all tore me a new asshole. The very next day, I sold the coat back to the furrier. Because I was like, I don't even know why I bought a fur coat. I'm just like, I got enough money to buy a fur coat. <laughs> You know, just this is the funny part though is that you do all this stuff, and you but you said you you lost it all. Well, in, 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 I did. I lost everything, man, and not How? not in a short period of time, like two years, right? Like maybe three. So maybe what three. happened? Well, because the deal did the deals go away? Well, the did deals the didn't actually go away. What happens is once you go through the deal process, yeah. What exactly happens is um, they take you to one step, 
you know, then it's the writing, then it's the creation of the script, yeah. and then it's a point where they make a decision where they're going to make a pilot. Right. Always got to the pilot process, and then it never worked. Right. You know, because it becomes more involved. It becomes, is this something we want on television? How do the advertisers right. feel? You're right. You know, is this too much? Is Which this- you never get it. You never take that into account when you're writing it, yeah. creating it. You the never av- take that the, into if account. If some advertiser can actually fucking sell this. You never think about that aspect. Right. Of it. And you know what I found out? That is a gigantic, gigantic. aspect. Huge. A gigantic <laughs> aspect. The first thing they do right after they approve it is go, how do we sell this to the sponsors? And let me tell you, if there's if if there's if there's a ten point must system, and there are three no's, they don't want it. Right. They really want at least an eight, right. you know, out of ten. Right. Unless you're fucking like Louis. Then yeah. You can, if you're a huge star, you can do whatever you want. You can pretty much do it. You can Louis fail. has an incredible situation. Right. You know, do what he want, create what he want. I don't think that ever happens. Well, they give you, they'll give you the chance to fail if you're hugely famous or they like you. They'll give you the chance to fail. Yeah, not if you just but they won't, the hot guy. Right. Not if you just, uh, yay, we like you. No, no yeah. but, but I tell you what, the, the process is um, excruciating in terms of being a stand-up comic. Um, because you like, you know, when they say no, they tell you no with prejudice. Yeah. You know, they t- they tell you in a way that almost destroys your confidence. But you know what they do, too, is they give you a suggestion, you take it, and then it changes everything. And then they, by the time you're done, you're back to the original script well, that you I, fucking I, I turned in. I give you another one, too. Sometimes they change the shit to like... Where you go, what the fuck? I don't even know what the fuck this is now. Right. But you are so in the process of getting it on television. Yeah. That you don't even realize they've changed it even out of the creative sphere of what you wanted to do. I think there's a point where you got to go, no, fuck you. Well, you know what? I I heard Louis C.K. speak on this, right, about saying no and just doing what you want to do. Yeah. You know, they usually don't allow that. Yeah. But I think, you know, you do have to say no. Because yeah. at some point, what I did learn, even about myself, was they got the writing shit for me I didn't want to do. Like, they was like, okay, well, we're going to make you the black, you know, king of queens. Right. I'm like, that ain't who I am. I ain't the chubby fat that dude. Been, that would have been funny. With it. Yeah, but I ain't him. <laughs> you I'm been, the grumpy you dude. You would have been a millionaire. Maybe. set for life. I may be, but they didn't even buy that show. Really? But Oh, you tried? <laughs> yeah, they, but let me tell you something. They gave me a shitload of money for it. Right. A lot of money, man. You know, but... And I think that the reason why deals are not as prevalent as they used to be is because of all these reality-based shows. Yep. And they're not putting that kind of money behind actors and comedians anymore but the funny thing is the good stuff I'm seeing on TV now is that stuff right the Louis the things on USA yeah. the things on always FX. sunny yeah yeah you know what let me ask you a question now but you go after all that it, it goes away right what happened I mean I know you, you go to the back of the line you go to the back of the line yep. and you get to the back of the line and where what do you do you go to the back of the line and you go oh fuck how do I either try to jump some spaces but to be honest with you man it is a complete reinvention process because they're not going to let you get back up in the line with what you had right 
You know, you're going to have to come with a fresh idea, a new take, you know, something else. Right. And when you're at the back of the line, the bad part about going to the back of the line now is people just pass you up because they got fresher ideas. You know. But I'm talking about... I know the the psychology behind it. I want, but like I'm talking about what the fuck, what happened to you just, when you when you had all this money? Because I remember, dude, you used to come into the cellar. You you were fucking, dude. You're on fire. You're on fire. You had shit going on. You had deals. You had money. You bought an apartment, I think. But the but the problem was, I was doing well, very well. Matter of fact, I even became the morning host. Of Hot 97, which is like the big Jesus. television market. And, you know, I was like the radio morning host. Right. I actually lost that job. When I got fired, it was like I became, you know, comedy Oh, anthem. yeah. Why'd you get fired again? I forget. I got fired because of a song somebody else wrote. Yeah. And because I was considered a writer and a comedian on the show. I was the most expendable. What was the song? They kind of threw me on the bus. It was the tsunami song, <laughs> which was about. It wasn't about anything, but it referenced Asians dying in the Asian tsunami, and you know that's where I learned a lot about people taking shit out of context. Right. That's why I learned about corporate America. Corporate America in a big way. Big way. Because let me tell you, when sponsorship gets lost, your ass will get fired. Right. Everybody's a bitch. You know, as long as when I was working there and I was raising their 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 their, their, their numbers, they didn't have a problem. But the minute it was a problem, they like, you getting your ass out of here. You know, right. so we can get our sponsorship back. Right. McDonald's just left. Jesus. You know, and, you know, I can't even tell you what radio sponsorship money is. It is it is in the tens of thousands and millions of dollars. And they and these radio stations don't want to lose that. Yeah. And then after that, you know, it was like, ah, you know, this guy's like, you know. And I was never really a wild card. You know, and then I got grumpy afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Because you start losing stuff. Yep. And then once you start losing stuff, you you start speaking your mind. Right. You know, and let me tell you, it ain't always the best to speak your mind. Yep, I've yeah. learned that, dude. You know, yeah. look, man, I'm the same way you are. I, I've burned bridges. I've, I, I've, you know, fucking me and you almost fought. Because oh, we, we were both the same type of guy right. going, going at it. And I, we, you actually reminded me one night. You were like, yo, man, I like you. And I was like, oh, shit, I like you, too. We're friends. <laughs> so I was like, let's not. All right, I get it. I'm fucking with you. You're fucking with me. We took it too far. We got serious. All right, let's not do that shit. And well, you know what? I'm going to tell you something, Bobby, how much I didn't even think about that incident. Right. Until you just said it, I didn't even recall it. Yeah, yeah. Because I never even looked at us well, it made, as it was, having any adver it, adversarial well, feelings towards no, each other. No, we don't. I didn't. What it did for me and the reason why I remember it, because I always had anger issues. That was my thing. And when we got into that fight and you came up to me and you were like, Bobby, I like you. I was like, see, dude, you don't have to. It was like, all right, dude, you don't have to fucking take things to the next level with, you know what I mean? It was like, you can just, you can actually trust the people that you know. Right. That they're your friends. So when they do shit to you that maybe bugs you, you can go, dude, what the fuck was that? Well, and they'll you, go. You know what? I think, and I, I'll be honest with you. I think at that time, I remember that now. Yeah. You was a little frustrated with your position. And yes. it's easy to be, 
in this business, like, you know, it don't take but to owe a bill. Yeah. You know, the old fucking bill. Or, you know. Well, that's when I was going through all that. When I fucking was getting serious with my girl. I was stopping. Right. I was now. trying to stop being a scumbag. I was going through some shit. And, you know. And I it got, don't take but a little bit, to, nope. you know, to go fucking. That's why I said, look, man, I like you. We ain't yeah, really. Yeah. We're not. You know, I ain't got no beef with you like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I ain't got a fighting beef with well, you. Well, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, Todd's my friend. You know, I ain't got a ball-busting beef right, yeah, with yeah. you where we done busting each other's balls till we want to fight each other. You know, we like. Yeah, well, that was me. That was on me. Well, that wasn't you. You know what it is, though? It's entitled in this shit. Right. Because, dude, this is the most frustrating business. You know, first of all, we live in a business of no's. Yeah. And, and we're being told no by non-creative people. <laughs> you know, by it's people amazing. who don't have any creative ability whatsoever. Yeah. They make all their money off of our creative ideas. Yes. And then they're telling us no. Like, how the fuck did you get a job doing this? Yeah. And you've never had, you know, that struggle before. So yeah, you know what's weird though is that you were going through the exact opposite. You were in the best spot ever. So your fucking ego was the shit. My self esteem was in the gutter. And then we we but the thing that I liked about it though for me, like I said, is that it taught me to trust the people that I hang with, even though we see each other at clubs or shows. That wait a minute, this guy, these are my people. This is my surrogate the funny family. Thing is, dude, I never. Me, my yeah. opinion of you, yeah. was never Bobby ain't going to make it. Right. You know, my opinion of you is when it blows, it's going to blow big for Bobby. Right. You no, know, I, that's how I always look at it. And that's honest, not because I'm sitting here on your stupid podcast. <laughs> you know, it's because that's the way I always felt. I always felt like, man, we talked about this. Yeah, we used to you talk know, about shows. I say, I, we used to talk about stuff. We used to talk about ideas that you had yeah. for a show. Yeah. You know, and where you came from as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, and I said, you know, I said, that, that well, that's gonna work. Right. They missing it now. Right. But they not. I mean, look now you you, you got ideas working. Right. You know, as we were speaking earlier, it's finally when you say I don't give a fuck. You don't give a fuck. You know, when you decide, you know, y'all ain't gonna send my blood pressure through the roof. Nope. You know. Um, that's, that's that's what me and Billy and Joe said about that movie, and that's why we're here doing the shows and the, all the stuff that's going on is we were like uh, why do we have to wait to book an audition let's just go make the movie ourselves we make money as comics we make good money for yourself because man jokes. they don't they don't um you know it's funny they don't believe in us as talent mm -hmm. but they believe in a goofy fucker that on a reality show that just watch somebody else be an asshole yeah you know like oh, oh that's good. that's fucking uh that's you know that's they have to pay you shit. The, the thing they hate about us is that when we do create something and it's a hit, we own it. We right. create it. We're producers. We get all and the we money. we get to become yeah, some assholes. They get some dick, shit dick with a mohawk to slap a chick on TV. Right. And then he they becomes own it a all. star. He becomes a star, but they don't. They own it all. Yeah, they own it all. So well, The funny thing is, is you know, look at... Look at um, all our transitions and escalations to this business, we've all roller coaster ride, rode it, yeah. and and that becomes a a a a bonding thing too. 
Right. Because, you know, I was all the way up. Then I came back all the way down. Yeah. You know, I've seen you up. And yeah. I've seen you down. Yep. So we we understand the trials and tribulations. And we're better. still here. And we're still here because, and we also know, oh, like you just said earlier, they ain't gonna do it, so we'll fucking do it. Yeah, you can't. That's the thing is, yeah. I don't have a B plan. Well, so, the funny thing is, I don't think I ever had a B plan. All my plans were an A plan with no, you know, it was like a bad bank heist. <laughs> you know, like. It was, <laughs> If the getaway driver got shot, we was fucked. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. how I looked at everything. Just have one good A plan. But do you and think do you think now, you know, look dude, though I met you, dude, you were a fucking big motherfucker, healthy as an ox. You were the Man, shit. I ain't the same no more. You 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 were the shit. I mean, but dude, I mean you're the same. What's weird, you're saying verbally and psychologically, you're not any different that way, even from talking to you the last couple of days, but you got sick. Well, actually, man, I had such a bad health crisis. What, I mean, what, you, what happened? Well, I'll be honest with you. Now, you were, I, I, um, I got diagnosed with cancer about 29 months ago, and um, they merely told me, that I had pancreatic cancer. And, you know, normally when they say that, the first thing, the next thing is, oh, I'm going to be dead here in the next year. Right. So um, um, at the time I found I didn't have insurance, I was getting a lot of charity care through uh, hospitals. You know, I didn't, I couldn't afford money for medication. You know, um, in a long story short, somehow, and I don't know how, but um, I got very bad in January of this year, and I went to the hospital. I spent January to April the f- 9th in the hospital. But during the middle of my stay, my numbers started getting better, and I went into remission. But this, this, this thing beat my ass. You know, it beat my ass. And you know how I found out I had cancer? You want to hear the oddest shit? What's up? You know, normally you you know you're pissing blood or something. You know, yeah. I went to the doctor because my dick wasn't working. I was like, I'm going to get some Viagra, right? And they was like, Hey, there's a little bit more wrong with you than erectile dysfunction. You might want to go to and get some more tests to get some blood work done. So I basically me want Viagra. Viagra saved my life because you're a dirt ball. Yeah, say what? Because you're a dirt ball. Yeah, because I'm a scumbag. I'm a fucking. I got it bad too, man. I don't know. I am sexually addicted to some real debaucherous shit. Um, so, like, the, but like, like when you found out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So, whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You, you mean, dude, you, you, the, we talked to this. You were at the fucking top, $500,000 deals. You kind of lost the shit. And then you find this out. It's like, what the fuck, man? Now, you know, you kind of go. i tell you what you do think about. And in all honesty, you go. Who did I treat like shit that karma is coming back on me this hard? Really? You know, and I I thought about it, really, man. I was really 
gregarious, arrogant, and stuff like that. But with my money, I wasn't. You know, like I was giving money away like a crazy person. Yeah. If anybody needed me, I was giving money away like I was a real philanthropist. Shit. You know, like like I had a million dollars, not like I had 500000 where I was getting ready to lose 62% of it to agents and and uh, and the tax man. Yeah. You know, because it really ain't that much. You get 500000 you get to keep about one hundred and twenty-five after everybody drains all their money out yeah, of it. Yeah, I know. You know. People, don't, people yeah. don't understand that shit. No, once the agents and the tax man get to it. The lawyers. and the, No, well, that's what it is. I can give it to you clearly for everybody listening. It's 5% to a lawyer, 10% to an agent, 15 to a manager. And if you got an accountant which smooths everything out 4%, you at 34% there. You take another 30% to the tax man, that's actually 64%. Yeah. You know, so but you we, don't get we, much of your own money. But we get to write off meals. Yeah, yeah, we get to write off <laughs> meals and... And pens and notebooks. Yeah, How about yeah. that? So what? I gotta go buy three hundred fucking notebooks. All right. You know. So the, what? Let me ask you a question though. What? What happened? Do, how, like now you lost your sight too. Lost my sight How, because from the cancer. The uh, cancer uh, destroyed my kidneys. The kidney squeezed off my small blood vessels to my eyes. Jesus. And uh, caused me my retinas to detach. And uh, so I lost my sight. Is it will, will it come back? Um, I'm in the process of having operations to try to restore some of it. But as we speak now, I'm blind. You're blind. Yes. I'm and blind. your cancer's in remission. My cancer's in remission. I'm blind. My dick work again, <laughs> um, which is great. Are you still getting pussy? Yes. You know the funny thing is, um, I already couldn't fuck work for shit long now. I'm so sensitive to touch. I come so quick, and I don't give a damn. I'm just glad it's working. Are you now? Do you use the blindness to get some pussy? Actually, let me explain something to you that I didn't know. I know why Ray Charles got so much pussy. <laughs> I don't know what is attractive about blind, but women, it's almost like a challenge. You right. know, like, oh fuck the blind guy. You know. Like, yeah. Do I don't you, know what do you, it is. Do you grab their wrist? Oh, no, I so, grab their ass. I don't even play around. <laughs> I go full body. That's fucking good. You know, it's, it's, it's actually almost a, a physical assault. You know. Has this has this all this stuff, dude? Because <clears throat> you're here in Montreal, dude. I was really... I saw you walk through the door, bro, and I heard what you were going through. You know, but I was like, this, you know, this sucks. I was like, I, you know, you wouldn't wish that on anybody. And it was like, especially somebody that you know from the cellar and hanging out. We came up together in those fucking fucked up in times. In them hard days. And then it's like, I seen you walk in yesterday, man. And you had the cane. But you look you look good, man. You look good. You had your suit on. <laughs> you wailed in. And you, as soon as you started talking to me, dude, you were still funny. You're still fucking funny. I mean, dude, you got... You have a serious tone about you. You, you know what I mean. You're not as. I mean, Bobby, man. You you know what? When I was in the hospital, my heart stopped. Jesus. I died. I went into cardiac arrest for like 93 seconds. You know, kind of. You know, like when I came out of it. You know, and the doctors told me what happened and everything. I seen the graph where the line stops. You know, it goes in. You know, 
I'm like, oh, fuck, I died, man. I Like, I've been through the worst thing you could ever go through. Yeah. You know, the, the worst thing you can ever go through is dying. Yes. You know, and I figure, well, if I got past that, regardless of what the rest of my life has, I might as well just deal with it the same way I dealt with my life when I had all my faculties. So, I mean, did any, so you just went, I mean, what changed, what changed after all this, dude? Um, did it, if anything, I don't know if it did. Maybe you just to say. Well, you know what it is. I'm, I'm like, yo, like you remember you, you, you know, when you listen to the news and you hear about, okay, we don't want healthcare and we don't want this and you know, this much costs you money and blah, 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 blah. You are way more sympathetic to the plight of people that are on social security, Medicare, you know, older people, people that have serious health crisis, because like I dealt with it directly. I honestly know that if this government decides to take away Medicare, or cut back Social Security, they will be killing people, literally killing people. Really? You know, like because you can't do it. It just can't be done. Like we're in Canada right now. Canada has a single-payer system that government pays for everybody's health care. Like, how is America the only civilized country in the world that doesn't have a single-payer system? Yeah. Like, and the only reason we don't have one is because they some greedy son of a bitches. But did that, yeah. did it, let me, you know, dude, I always, we're comics. We never think about getting sick. We Yo, never, that's we all you don't think about. Right. Because you go, you actually say it, as long as I'm healthy, I can do this shit. Yeah. You know, how many years you think you did comedy without insurance? Most of it. You know, most of the time, you probably, most of our careers, we was just walking around just hoping we didn't break our fucking leg or, yeah. you know, fucking pop our Achilles yeah. tendon or you know, goddamn scaffolding didn't fall and brain us. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I get, I get insurance through SAG, but now I know why certain people do certain movies because they got kids. They're they trying get, to keep that damn insurance. When you that, see a guy in a shitty movie, yep, it's because he's trying to keep his insurance. You need to make thirteen thousand dollars a year to get keep your insurance. And let me tell you something. I didn't make $13,000 a year one year, and that's when mine got canceled. Really? Yep. And then, but, but, like, did you become a civilian, bro? Like, mentally? I not, no, I became a, I think I was lower than a civilian because I was, I was sick, and I couldn't get insurance because I had a pre-existing condition. Shit. So the only option for me was to get Medicaid. You know, through the American Medicaid system. Because you went through, you went from a comic with deals, about to have a show, one of the funniest guys around. You killed it every time you went on stage. Everybody knew who the fuck you were, whether they loved you or hated you. They know Todd Lynn. Now you're on fucking Medicaid with Medicaid. cancer. Wait, I'm gonna give you one more and Social Security. Really? I just got approved for Social Security. I'm officially a fucking old man. Jesus. How, old, fucking old, how old are you? I'm 43 years old and That's I'm officially into retirement 20 years early. You got retirement? Nah, I mean, man, I'm, I'd like to continue to do comedy this way and earn money, but I don't really believe that, well, one, right now, I need a kidney transplant. Right, you need a kidney transplant. Yeah, and I'm on dialysis, so I can't travel. Matter of fact, me being here in Montreal, I'm taking a risk. Really? Yes. Why'd you come? Because I think maybe 
I can get my career popping enough where I can get my 13000 in SAG and get some insurance, maybe possibly get on some other list, you know, for, for a kidney transplant, maybe improve my health. What, what blood type are you? I got AB negative, which is an odd blood type. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have family members that can help, but I don't want them to. Why? Well, man, I don't want anybody. I don't want to burden anybody with this. Do you I know, don't want to put anybody's life at risk. Can I tell it, you, to be it, honest with you, I had a joke in my act. I don't even remember it. But my sister got a kidney transplant. And I remember my mother called me. And she was like, your sister needs a kidney. And I was like, that's fucked up. Wow. And she was like, you know, well, you know, we got to go down and get your blood checked. And I was like, for what? And she was like, you might need to give her a kidney. And I was like, you know, like I had a, the joke was, well, isn't there a list? Cause I, well, I, you know, it's funny because now in my act, I do a joke about how uncomfortable it is to discuss with anybody. You right. know that how you need a kidney because nobody want to talk about that shit. Just like you said, yeah. like you know, you like wait a minute, you want me to risk my life? Nobody listen. But here's the thing, people, the deep down is like fuck me. Right. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. No, so, nobody really wants to. Nobody wants to give you a kidney. You do it out of a kind of dedication. Well, that was the joke of my act. The next door neighbor Neil wanted to, and he's a single guy lives alone. His name's Neil. Creepy <laughs> And he was like I'll do it We're like Settle down You fuck You weirdo And yeah. he, he did it he, he You know Out of the goodness Of his heart But later on We found out That he liked my sister And he tried to make A move on her Well here's the crazy thing Man I need a kidney Right now right Right But if somebody Needed a kidney And I had it to give I would be reluctant Right. You know, I'm like, so, you know, because first, like, I got to have a motherfucker cut me open and take a body part out. Right. You know, because that's really what that is. You about to take some shit out of me and then tell me it's all right? No, that that would never sit well with me. The thing is, though, you got to understand that there's family members that, yeah, fuck it, but they'll do it. And the way they do it now, the person that gives it isn't as risk as it was 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? You said as 10 years ago, but they're still at risk. And I'm not willing to uh, I'm not willing to take that, that chance, Bobby. You know, I love my brothers and sisters. You know, I yeah, mean... you're going to allow mean, them the opportunity to I, say no. I have. My, I gave them the opportunity. No. That's the answer. No. I'll take this, man. You know, um, like right now, man, let me tell you. I'm energized and feel good right now just sitting here talking with you. And because I'm glad that a lot of the things we talked about are finally starting to come to fruition. Right. You know, and, you know, that makes me feel good. That makes me feel like even though I might be kind of at the back of the line, there's still some, you know, chances to get back. Yeah. In, in the game. Yeah. That, you know, I see a guy that didn't fall out, a guy that made a way. You know, and a guy that's not so indifferent from myself. Right. You know, because... We're very similar. You was on stage killing all the time, too, you know? Yeah. yeah. Nobody likes fucking following you. It ain't fun. Yeah. You know, I would go... I'd see you going to sell, and I'd have to go on behind you. To, 
That shit wasn't fun. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I can't wait till Bobby go up and fuck my setup. You know, like, that wasn't no. fun following you either, though. You cocksucker. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, grew up and fucking. You put some fucking. You know, you, you would you, talk you, about. You would put some uh, psycho. You would talk and get him in a psychological <laughs> fucking thought process, and I go up and talk about you know. Doing my shit and a little more crazy. But it ain't easy, no kind of way. Right. You know, matter of fact, the truth is, a lot of it was inspiring in the sense where, you know, you know, the one thing I liked about working with you and other guys at the cellar is that there was an unspoken competition in the sense where we knew that the guys we was working with was so good that we had to raise our comedic standard to that level. Oh yeah, there was never a point when we could be a shitty comic. No, because you had to go on a show with you, Patrice, Norton, Colin, you know, Nick, Tom Popper. You're like, oh god, this is a nightmare. You know, like, you know, and you don't want to look like the Huckabuck on the show, right? You know. And those, I think, that's that's probably, too, what led all of us to the point of doing things for ourselves. Like, you know, like, we are the creative people. We can make it happen. Right. You know, I'm I'm actually proud of you, Billy and Joe DeRosa, for what you did. Because, you know, you, you took an idea and really followed through. Right. You know, we get a little lot lazy as comics sometimes. Yep. We don't want to completely follow through, but y'all follow through. Well, that's the thing is people always give alt comic shit or writers oh, or whatever. God. And it's like, here's the thing, though. These guys work. I was sitting around just using killing, and I'd never do the work. I'd never sit down and write right. the script. I'd never sit down and get the thought on paper so someone could buy it. And put me in something that I wrote. Like, these guys did. So well, the thing is, it worked, dude. And, like, you know, the fu- i tell you what the best part about that. Now, more opportunities to do that will open up. I'm quite sure y'all having meetings where they're going, what else y'all got? Yeah. You know? Yeah. This works. Do y'all got something else we can make money off right, of? Right, 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 right. You know? But now, let me ask you, so where you are, has your comedy changed? Completely. It's it's changed completely and absolutely. It's actually the well, first time in my life I've been completely autobiographical. You know, I was always a great opinion guy, great insight guy. I had jokes. You know, I could put them together well. But this is the first time in my career I've ever been able to say this is what happened to me. This was the journey. This is what led up to it. These are the things that happened. And then I, you know, I bought them. You know, I was able to translate them. You know, I you know, you always looked at guys like Pryor and them and go, damn, they really translated their pain. Yeah. You know. And this is the first time I've been able to do that. I ain't never been able to do that before. Your show's up here, right? Yes. W- what show did you do? I did uh, the Best of the Fest, Go West, uh, the Uptown Comics, you know, and all of them went really, really well. And I was like, I, at one end I was relieved and I was happy because... When you're doing jokes, man, and they just jokes, and they don't work, it's like, that's the joke. That ain't me. But right. when you're autobiographical, and they don't like you, they don't like you. Right. You know, that means you yeah. suck. Yeah. So, it was refreshing in the sense of, I was able to write for me, for myself. Yeah. And I was able to, in writing for me and for myself, 
I was able to, uh, you know, create something that's actually different than what I've ever done. Right. And maybe give people a picture of, you know, this is what it's like if you have a health crisis. This could happen to you. And I may be able to inspire some people because, like, I, from what I've been told, only 3% of the people that are ever diagnosed with pancreatic cancer survive. I don't know Shit. why I survived. Uh, I don't even know how I survived, man. A lot of times I don't even like talking about it because I end up in tears because... That'd be great for this podcast. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, dude, I ain't about to cry in front of you. Fuck you. You ain't going to tell that one. You know, I, I mean... Uh, uh, I just, because um, there was a point when, you know, man, there was actually a point, Bobby, where I called the funeral home to find out how much it was going to be Jesus. to fly my body home. Like, I was making funeral arrangements for myself. God damn. Because I didn't want my mother to do it. You know, you, you I mean, I don't think you can ever have a worse experience than to call Fuck. a funeral home and like, yo, I'm... I've been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and I'm dying. That's. Have you, you know. ever played Cleveland? <laughs> it's it's, <cl> it's <laughs> the exact same thing. Oh, I'm going to Cleveland. How much is uh, cremation? Well, that's fucking crazy. I mean, look, dude, that's so fun. You know what's crazy about that is that you went, you went. If you listen to this, what I'm what I'm hearing is you went from the highest of highs. To the lowest of lows, but then you went lower. Lower. You went lower than we all go through. It wasn't about money. You at that one point you could still do your comedy. You could still bang broads. You could still do whatever you wanted. You went lower than that. You went to where you were. You were fucking making your own funeral arrangements. Dude, when you like that was the next to dying. That was the worst day. Of my life God. I remember It was the day after I went to a doctor And He looked at me Came back in the room And he said Mr. Lynn Do you have your affairs in order? I kind of looked at him like No Fucking Because I didn't plan on dying Wow You know He was like You really want to make some changes And maybe get your things in order And I was sitting there like This fucker just told me Get ready to die And I remember Two days later Who'd you call? I called a funeral home. No, um, you, I'm talking friends or family or girls. Well, I talk, you know, I had a girl at the time. I got a fiance. Um, you don't really want to say to your fiance, hey, listen, uh, it, things ain't getting no better. I'm dying, and I'm, I'm not going to be Jesus. I, I literally did not plan on being alive in July of 2011. Really? You know? Because I had one foot in the grave in January. And, you know, I called my mother and I told my mother exactly what they said to me. And uh, my mother is a nurse practitioner. And she, you know, she was worried. But she was trying to kind of make me comfortable with what could have possibly been the last, you know, few months of my life. Because I was getting more ill, you know. And... I remember calling the funeral home, and I, I actually, they said, how can I help you? And I said, well, I'm dying. I'm, you know, I need to make some arrangements for my funeral. You know, when I die, I need certain things to happen so my mother doesn't have to. And then I remember the guy telling me how much it was, and I was sitting on the phone going, God damn. Jesus. 
Let me tell you something. Get, being born and dying is the most expensive shit that ever happened to you in your life. Well, how how much does it cost? Um, I got a price of literally seven thousand dollars just to put me in a shitty polyurethane casket wow. and dig a hole and bury me. Really? Yeah. Jesus. Seven grand just for a shitty situation. And you were engaged at the time? Yeah, and I didn't know what to say to her. But I could see her looking at me every day. And then um, it got so bad that um, there's a... um, um, I was living with my girlfriend in Philadelphia. And there's a um, a hospice called the Hope House. um, Where... I guess you stay there until you die. Um, it costs a little money to get into. I took the last bit of money that I had, took a train up to uh, there, and they were going to admit me to the Hope House. I was just going to leave my girlfriend because I didn't want to die in the living room. Right. You know, and she was afraid of that. And um, I... Um, I passed out at the Hope House, and I went to uh, the emergency room from there. And then from the emergency room, that's when I was in the hospital for four months, you know. But I didn't think I was going to make it out of that situation. So you were going to die? I was going to die, man. And you pay, you passed out, wound up in the hospital, and that saved your life? Yep. And when did it, how did it go into remission? Man, the doctors don't even know. I was, um, like, in late February, they was like, you know, they come to you every day and say, your numbers look like shit. Your numbers look like... I got, I got blood work every four hours. Every four hours, they, they pull blood from me. Um, matter of fact, they had put something in my arm where all they had to do was hook this little thing up to me, like clicked on and blood would come out of me right and um, uh, every day they would come to me oh, your blood work is uh, still the same your blood work is the same but your T-cell count is good but, you know but you know we could tell and then one day in late February they said you know your blood work looked pretty good today but you know you're not out the woods and then every day it kept rising and then about in the middle of March they said, we just tested you again, and we don't see any cancer cells, but we're oh, going to test you again. And I just, I, at that point, I wasn't even listening. I was like, y'all ain't going to get me excited. Right. Yeah. Then, like, by the third week of March, because I hadn't walked since January, I said, I want to get out the bed. And I got out the bed, and I fell down immediately because yeah. I had no leg strength. You know, but it was the first time I had been out to bed in three months. Wow. You know, and then I actually walked to the bathroom. Prior to that, I was wearing diapers. Really? You know, oh, God, Shit. that's an awful experience. Um, had to have nurses come in and change me. You know how bad it is having nurses roll over so we can wipe your ass. It's oh. bad for you. Jim Norton actually pays to have it done. Yeah, well, Jim Norton has some sexual proclivities <laughs> that uh, far exceed any deviant behavior you and I have. <laughs> but um, it um, it was really like, and then like at the third week of March, they was like, 
you know, we think you're in remission. I said, well, don't tell me you think, fucker. Right. And then, you know, um, after I died, right, in the early part of January, the, the next day I got Medicaid, so they was really working on me hard, testing me for everything. I think I got a, a fucking pregnancy test. Really? But um, everything started getting better, and by the middle of April, they... They let me go, but like even now, I have a nurse in my house with me all day, eight hours a day. Where do you live? In Harlem. With who? Uh, with a friend of mine named Dino Vigo. Is, he's just been like, you move in with him? Yeah. So you live with him and there's a nurse there? Yeah, and there's a nurse there. All a, day? A really good looking Dominican one. Really? Yes. Did you? She cooks? No, I didn't. Do I want to? Yes. Does she give you a massage? Like, oh, uh, God. She take care of me like a baby, dude. Does she wash Cooks you? Cooks for me, washes me. Really? You know, this shit is sickening. I really understand why Arnold Schwarzenegger fucked his maid. <laughs> like, I really completely understand. Really? Uh, they, they, dude, if I ever get rich, I'm getting me a Spanish housekeeper. They are the fucking greatest. I got one all day. Eight hours a day, make breakfast. She comes in like, Mr. Lynn, what do you want for dinner? Oh, God, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. Do you, now that you, but now you're in remission, you're starting to do comedy again? More, way more. And, but, like, what if, what do you, what has changed about you, man? Like, where, 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 where like, how do I say this? Well, let me, like, let me say what well, a lot has changed. One, I don't have sight. So I'm I'm way more into the written aspect of being a comic. Really? So that everything verbally becomes very verbally visual. Wow. You know, because I don't have sight. I realize I almost got to be like Stevie Wonder. You know, you listen to a Stevie Wonder song, you go, that motherfucker can see. Because yeah. you couldn't be able to describe that. Right. But now I don't have no sight. I realize I have to be just as visual. Right. I can actually hear the audience. You know how you do a joke and you hear them moaning? Yeah. Like, uh. I hear that like you're screaming in my ear. Really? Yes. Very much so. Can you hear this right and, now? And, um. Can you hear this you, right um, now? Can you hear this right now? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> I can hear you. It's a, a test. You know, it's weird. I can hear everything in this building. You know, you don't hear it in detail, but you hear everything. So that's interesting, dude. You're actually writing now from a perspective of without the ability to go up and go, nice shirt, where are you from? Right. There's no crowd work. No. Right? right. This is, you got to beat the path. You got right. It's got to be funny. Um, you have to write a book. It's like writing a book. There's no crowd work in a book. Right. You know, books don't stop in the middle and go, hey, what you doing up there? You know. Right. You got to write the whole thing. You know, your segues have to be, you know, you got to go from one subject to the other smoothly. Because you're just standing there. Yep, you ain't got no choice. If something go on in the room, you better be funny enough just to fucking bypass it. So you're, yeah. getting, so you're getting money from Social Security now? Uh, starting um, uh, August the 1st. What were you doing for, for it before then? Um, actually, had, I was working while I was sick. I was really? working on Carnival Cruise Lines making a shitload of money. Doing what? I was a comedian. You were sick? 
Yes. And I was going out on boats. Like sick in sick. remission or sick no. like with cancer? Sick gonna... with cancer before I went into the hospital. Really? Yeah. I was making like $4,000 a week. Wow. Right? And I saved all my money. And so, but I haven't had any money since like, you know, um, hell, I'm behind in my child support. Uh, <laughs> she got to understand, though. No, she doesn't. Really? No. No. People talk about divorce. A divorce is just a woman that doesn't want to be with you anymore. A baby mama is a succubus from hell that is trying to destroy you. Okay? Even with all the shit that you're going through, she doesn't... She don't give a fuck. Wow. You know what she tells me? Well, you need to... This is what she told me one time. I said, well, I don't have no money, and I got to buy this medication. And uh, they told me if I don't take this medication, I might die. She said, well, if you're going to die, you need to be doing more for your son right now. I was like, this bitch does not care at all. Wow. So, you know, it's been a challenge, Bobby. But, man, truthfully, man, especially after watching y'all whole thing cheat, I, I got and everything I'm dealing with, man, I'm a little inspired. I actually feel good. Really? The truth, man, to be honest with you, this is the best I've felt about my stand-up comedy in about three years. No shit. About mine, what I do. Yeah. Dude, I really wish I got to see you do your stuff. Because even talking to you in the lobby, I was like, he's got, he, talking about what's going on and making it funny. That's the best part about comics to me. Oh, man. Well, we that, take like this whole thing is tragic in the translation. Shit. Yeah. I love it. The I love whole, it. The whole thing is in the translation, man. Right. The whole thing. And, um, you know, I actually have found a way which I never could do before in the past. Right. You know, never could do before in the past. So, all right, we're gonna wrap this up. Cool, cool. But um, what what's next, dude? What are you What are you doing? The next, honestly, man, is my one man play. It's called a trickle of blood. Jesus. Which is basically how I found out. Really. One little simple trickle of blood test is how I found out what every a, nightmare. Why didn't you go with a trickle of blood out of my cock? Yeah. <laughs> Because that, that was the one thing, blood. My cock was doing nothing. Uh, that would be a better T-shirt. Hey, you want to hear something That'd really be funny? Merch. What's up? Because I don't have kidneys yes. anymore, Yeah. I don't come. So when I masturbate, there's no cleanup. But, wait a minute. But do you have an orgasm? Yes. That happens? Yes, I have an orgasm, but no, I, nothing I, I comes out. I thought you needed jizz to have an Yo, orgasm. No, you don't. Really? Yo, just air. I can blow a match out with my dick. <laughs> Really, That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. So you got your play coming out when? Um, actually, I'm working on it now, trying to produce it. Um, we're in the process of. We got several venues in New York, which we're working on. Right. Um, but man, I'll let you know as soon as I get it up and running. All right. Well, this is it, man. Look out for Todd Lynn and his one man show coming out of Trickle. Yeah, of thanks, blood. Bobby. Man, you know it's always good, dude. Getting a heart to heart with you, man. Dude, I'm so fucking proud of you. I'm so happy you're thanks, here. Thanks, brother. It may, I really lit up when you walked through the door, man, and you, you're fucking still funny. That's <laughs> Thanks, what's fucking man. the best, yeah. is you're still funny. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. So, I'm, I'm making an effort at this shit. It's a, 
It's, a, it's always an uphill battle for us. Yeah, it is. But you we, know, gonna, we picked a hell of a craft. Dude, we're still here. Yes. We're still here. Absolutely. You know what I mean? All right, I love you, buddy. Love you too, man. All right, I'll talk to you, you know, later. Y'all keep supporting this damn show. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks again for listening to another episode of You Know What Dude podcast on GloryHoleRadio.com. And make sure to check out all the other shows on the Glory Hole Network. If you're using the Stitcher app, type in the word fart when you register iTunes users, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you're a real fan of the show and you want to show your support, go to gloryholeradio.com slash Robert Kelly and hit the donate button. $10 will get you a shout out on the air. $20 will get you my first CD, Robert Kelly Live, not available in stores. If you have any questions, email me at robertkelly at gloryholeradio.com.